Okay. Brother Todd, would you lead us in prayer, please? Father, we give you thanks for who you are and for your son, Lord, most of all. Thank you for this group and this church family, Lord, tonight. That we can come in fellowship and listen to your word. Lord, just enrich us in your word and build our spirits up, Lord, and increase our faith. Lord, I lift up all these requests to you. Ask you to move on our behalf, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and grace, Lord. Forgive us of our sins and just be present with us tonight, Lord. And be with us throughout the rest of the week till next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Numbers, chapter We're still in the Old Testament. We're still in the Old yeah. Testament. Book of Numbers, chapter 11. Chapter 11. A couple uh, more years. Of, uh, book of Numbers. <laughs> it is going to be some uh, some different stuff sort of tonight. So, I've been looking forward to this study. I've been uh, studying it for a few days and, and uh, sometimes... Uh, you know, Lord, that got a way of showing us things in the Old Testament that that really, really apply in the New Testament, and that's where it's supposed to be because that's, this word is alive, where where it's old or new. Uh, if I get somebody to read for me, let's see. I have got the first three verses, verses one, two, and three of chapter eleven, please. Now the people became like those who complained <clears throat> of adversity in the hearing of the Lord, and when the Lord heard it. His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and <clears throat> consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses, and <clears throat> Moses prayed unto the Lord, and the fire died out. So the name of that place was called Tabara, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Okay, so when we look at this, this scripture right here, we find out something that the Lord does not like. What is it? Complaining. He don't like not only complaining, he don't like murmuring. Either that kind of fits together in the scripture. If we're not careful, we will find so much to gripe and complain and murmur about. Now, we have to be very careful with that because the scripture is adamant. It's very plain as to how God sees that. And if you want to destroy your fellowship, if you want to destroy the camaraderie of the, of the brothers and the sisters, if you want to pit one group of people against another group of people, start complaining, start murmuring, start griping about the way things are and most of the time, it don't have anything really to do with what, what's going on in the church. It's got an underlying issue with the person or people that's doing it spiritually. Do I need to repeat that? Sometimes it's got an underlying issue that really don't have anything to do with the things you don't like going on. It has more to do with the, your spiritual relationship with the Lord. We have to be very, very careful whether you're the pastor, whether you're the deacon, or some of the staff in the church that you don't let the things that goes on in the church bother you to a point where it makes you angry, where it makes you want to talk, where it makes you want to complain, because God does not like that. And in this situation, and we've already noticed in, the, in their wanderings in the, in the wilderness, that he takes drastic measures and he deals with these issues very, very quickly. And he does it with wrath. He does it with, with, uh, with fervor. He does it so they'll know he ain't happy. And he don't stop till somebody asks him to. Now, have y'all noticed that? In the scriptures. Now, why don't he still do us like that today? Ask yourself, does he still, does he, does he, is he okay with us complaining and murmuring? Is he okay with that today? No. Then why don't he do the same thing today? I, because we're believers, of, his son is our savior and 
the sin, this complaining is a sin, and all our sins, past, present, and future, are under the blood. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't see it. And, you know, as far as, like he did here. He still sees it, but he doesn't deal with it like he did here. And so we're under the blood, so but he, he still spanks us. Oh, yeah. But not, not in this man. He don't send a fire down and consume us, does he? And there's a reason because, and here's the great reason, and he explained it, but he didn't exactly say it. The wrath of God fell on his son, Jesus Christ, for us. The wrath, the fire that should consume us now, but fell on his son. At this point in time, they didn't have an intercessor. Well, in a way they did, but not the way we do. In a way they did, but not the way we do. Not, they, a, not a sacrifice. No, they didn't have not, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. They did have an intercessor. He's already done it once before, and we're going to see here in a little while. He's going to do it again. But but the difference between their intercessor and our intercessor is that their intercessor is going to question God also. Ours didn't. The only thing he questioned the father was when he asked him, could you find another way? Could you take this cup from me? He, he did that. We were at the funeral today. Uh, Brother James was there. Bob was there. And I heard that pastor that, that preached that funeral today, he made a remark that we all need to remember. He said this, God don't mind us questioning him. He don't mind us asking the how, the why, the when, and the where, as long as we remember who we're talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, in Genesis and book of Abraham questioning quite a bit, if you know, remember, and, and even uh, Sarah too, you know, yeah. but he, he answered. Yeah. He was careful though. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And they were careful how they approached God. That's what this pastor was talking about today. The Lord allows us to ask him questions. He allows us to want to know the why. Because he knows he created us that way. He created us to, to, to have questions and want answers. And that's a way that he has us to seek him. Mm -hmm. okay. Amen. Right. It, it's a good thing. But it can be used as a bad thing. And, and, and we need to, to remember that God allows us to question him. He said, ask, and you shall be given. Didn't he say that? Yeah. He said, you have not because you ask not. Does that just mean material things? That also means knowledge and understanding, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And the whys and the ifs and all that stuff. If God sees it fit to reveal those, those uh, answers to us, he will. Now listen to me. But if he don't feel that you need to know, he ain't telling you nothing. That's right. Okay? You know, it's amazing what God's putting up with in this, in this world today. He, I mean, so many sins, everything, you, everything about the country is sinful. That's right. Everything he's putting up with, you, but yes. Brother Gary, the scripture tells us there is a, a line drawn. There is a limit. We don't know where that is. But he does. And when man crosses this limit, it's going to be bad. And it's going to come. We do know that. We have to have faith and believe in that. Here's the, the, the hard part. We can't do anything about what everybody else is doing. Now y'all listen to me. There ain't but one person in this room that you can control. Who is that? Yourself. Amen. There ain't but one. Now, Jim, you can try to run Arthur's business if you want to. It don't work. It don't work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Vicky, you can try to tell Gary what you want to do if you want to. But in the end, he's going to do what Gary wants to do. And it goes for all of us. Uh, yeah, you're saying, yeah, I know you're thinking to call on me. I'm not. That's far I'm going with it. Y'all get the idea. We're all that way. We, I talked to a fellow here a while back that's uh, really going through some stuff. Really going through some stuff in, in his home and his family. And, and my uh, advice to him, look, you can't change 
anybody else in your family. You got to work on you. And when you start working on you and give yourself totally and completely over to the Lord Jesus Christ, which we're all supposed to be doing, they're going to see something different about you and they're going to notice it. Now, whether that brings them to, back to Him and reunites everything, who knows? That's, that's, that, but don't ever think that you can change them. You have to change yourself. Amen? Amen. That's scriptural, by the way. We, we can only change ourselves. We make the best person we can make ourselves and we continue to obey God regardless of what anyone else is doing. How many of you, now I, we are so blessed at this church. I want y'all to just look around at the men in this church. I mean, just seriously. When I was a boy, we went to a church where there was two men in that church. It was, it, it was the rest of them were women and children. There were no men. None. It was amazing. And a lot of the churches back then you'd go to, there were no men. There were women. And the, one, the men that there were were older men, usually retired men, or old farmers or, and deacons and things. And then all of a sudden, that's why I know God's still in control. As bad as things are getting, as bad as we see, we also see men, finally, coming back to the house of God. And, and fulfilling the role in their families that they're supposed to fill. We have, we have single men here. Thank God for all of you. Amen? Thank God for you. If you've made up your mind, I'm going to come and I'm going to study. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be a part of His church. Because that's more important than anything else. Thank God for you. God's plan. It's God's way. And so these people right here <laughs> began to complain. Now notice, it don't tell us exactly what they're complaining about. They just drop it. And God says, I don't like this. And then look what happens. So he sends a fire. He, did it. he didn't wait. He did it immediately because he didn't like what he was hearing. And like I said, he didn't say what he was hearing. He just didn't like it because they were complaining. And the Bible said in the same verse that his anger was kindled again. That means it ticked him off, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. How many of you know that God gets mad? Yeah. Now he commands us to be angry and what? Sin not. So what he does, is that a sin? Mm -hmm. You know why? God doesn't sin, he's righteous. Because his anger is a, who said that? A righteous anger. A godly anger. An anger designed to bring about a change or an end. Amen. That is what is the righteous anger of God that although he takes it out and he kills people here. Yep. I have heard so many people say, oh God ain't killing nobody. You better read this Bible. Yep. Yep. He's killed more people than all the world wars and all the wars in the world put together. He's killed more than that. Don't tell. He put us here and he can take us out anytime he wants to. If it's going to bring an end to something he don't want, he'll do it. Don't think he won't. Okay. Amen? Amen? Well, you say, well, wait a minute. He don't shed innocent blood either. Uh, no, it's not, never innocence. Not like man does. There's, a, there's a lot of different kind of complaining. I mean, they, we, we complain about everything. We complain about the country. We complain about the, the uh, politicians. We complain about the weather. We complain about everything. But I imagine that in this, they were complaining about the, about the being hungry and thirsty and, and all kinds of stuff, the leadership and whatever. Yep, yep. They, they didn't have the politics to complain about like, like we do. Now, I, don't, I, I agree with you. I think that the complaining that he is smiting them over is something they don't like that he's done. Right. Amen. 
And we're going to see some of this here in a minute. i got to move on. But his anger was kindled against them, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them. Where? Yeah, in, in the uttermost parts of camp. So he started letting them know. Now why the outskirts and not the center? Because that's where he was at. So he started way out here where the most murmuring and complaining was going and he working his way in. <laughs> that's kind of spooky, ain't it? It's kind of spooky. And what happened? The people cried. Who did they cry to? Moses. Why Moses? Because he, he is their intercessor. He is the one that God has designed for him to be a God unto them. A God unto Aaron and a spokesperson to the children of Israel. They couldn't speak to God anymore unless they spoke to Moses first. Moses didn't speak to them unless he spoke through Moses. Woo! That's why Moses is a picture of Jesus Christ. Not the perfect picture, but a picture of Jesus Christ. Now look what Moses does. What does he do? He gets down and he prays for them. See that? Moses prayed unto the Lord. The fire was quenched. So when the intercessor was spoken to and cried to, he interceded for them on their behalf to his Father in heaven, the one he had personally met and spoken to, and the Father listened to him and did what he asked him to do. Y'all listen to me. We got an intercessor up there now. Who is he? His name Jesus Christ. And it, we're, he tells us, everything you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'd do well to remember that. Amen. He says, and everything you set your hand to, Everything you set out to do, do it like you're doing it for me. Amen. Amen. That's what he says. Why? Because he took all of the wrath that these people are enduring now, because their intercessor hadn't endured the wrath. Ours did. He took all of it on himself. Every smidgen of it. And that's why we can moan, groan, complain, gripe all we want to, and he just don't smite us dead. You know why? Because we got a Savior up there going, shaking his head. We're going to see that here in a minute. This other intercessor is going to shake his head. He's shaking his head and wondering, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know what I've done for them? And why do they keep acting this way? Why do they keep talking this way? Why do they keep doing these things for one another? Hmm. Well, this makes you think, don't it? Yeah. I tell y'all all the time, the worst thing you can do to your church is to get out there and complain and gripe around other people about what you don't like that goes on here. You know what that does? That keeps those very people from ever wanting to walk through those doors right there. Or any other doors. And if you don't, if you don't, if you think you, you would rather find a perfect church, you ain't gonna find one. There ain't one. When you join it, you just made it imperfect. <laughs> We're all imperfect, our brother dies. The fact that all of us imperfect people are together in one building are to tell you that we don't have a perfect church. We don't. <laughs> but there's something that the Lord in the New Testament teaches us through the Apostle Paul that we need to remember. I wrote some scriptures down. These are not full scriptures. This is just what I wanted you to get from them. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. You know what that says? Paul told Timothy, he said, Godliness with what? Contentment. 
is great gain. He wrote in Hebrews, or the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, be content with such as you have. In other words, be content with what's going on around you. Especially the things you can't change or control. He also says in Philippians 4.11, this is Paul again. This is something we need to all learn, a lesson we need to learn. I have learned that whatever a state I am in, this is what I'm talking about you have to do for yourself. You're the only person you can control. He said that whatever state I am in, I will be content. Ooh, that's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Had these people had known that and, and, and done that, they wouldn't have been complaining. They would have been content. Knowing, listen to me now, why, did, why could Paul say that? Why couldn't these people say that? Because God dwelt right in the middle of them. They could see the cloud and the fire. They saw it. They saw what he did. He parted the Red Sea. He destroyed the Egyptian army. He brought all those plagues on Egypt. The firstborn of Egypt died while they were under the blood of the Lamb. They saw all these things. They went out every morning and picked up food off the ground that they didn't have to work for. Paul didn't have that. Listen, you know what made him content? Because he had Jesus here, yeah. smack down in the middle of his soul. There was the Lord. And he said, no matter what state I'm in, <laughs> he's with me. No matter how hungry I am, he's with me. No matter how cold I am, he's right there. And listen to me, Paul decided something for himself. That's enough for me. Amen. You know, there's not a lot of people content. You know, in this world, the people, I mean, like, you've got all those people coming up across the border, they're not content, you know, they're coming up here for something better. Yep. But most people in this country are not content with what they got and what they're doing. And but a lot of people don't like the jobs. The thing about it though, Gary, those things are not what gives us contentment. But content, I think it's kind of a, something you have to build on and it's a, and it's a gift from God to you be content be, with everything. You can't be content without God. No, you know, it's stuff. impossible. You're looking for something. It's impossible. Some drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, if you're not content in God, you're searching for God. Yeah. You just what, don't know it. What does a rich man want? More money. Why? Because he ain't content with what he got. What does the person who envies the neighbor want? What the neighbor's got because they're not happy with what they've got. Yeah. If we're not careful, as a church, we'll say, well, we don't have what they've got. What's God going to think about that? <laughs> Amen. Hey, right. you can go back <coughs> a few years ago, you'd look at this place. Wow. <laughs> God did that. Yeah. And that ought to make us content to know what He's already brought us through. Listen to me. Where He's taken us. But before we get there, we got to go through this life. And we need to do it contentedly. Without griping and murmuring about the things of God. Amen. Yeah, studying the Bible and talking to the Lord is where, how you get to contentment. That's exactly right, Brother Gary. Studying the Word of God and, and praying, having a relationship with God, is where the contentment comes. You don't That's believe why. that. Just quit reading the Bible and praying. You'll, you'll figure it out. You, I'm going to tell you, and Bob is a witness to this, whenever they forced us to work Sundays, 
it was without fail. I could tell in my personal life, I became more wicked and more evil, and I was more apt to say something bad, do something wrong, than I was at any other time. You know why? Because I missed something. Amen? <coughs> and don't tell me you don't need church. I'm, I'm a, I was a witness to that. I needed church. I needed to be there. I needed to pray. I needed to feel the Spirit. I needed to be at the altars. I needed the fellowship. I needed the worship. I needed the Word to be preached to me. I needed to receive that. It did something for me. It changed me. It kept me content. And when I lost that for any length of time, I could feel that contentment. Slowly going <laughs> away. Amen. We're leaking Amen. buckets, and if we don't get refilled real often. <laughs> Amen. And so they named this place a certain name, uh, Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. All right, let's, uh, if there's no more questions or, or comments here, somebody read me verses 4 through 9. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of the devil. And the people went about and gathered it, and ground it in mills, or beat it in a mortar, and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. All right, so now, now who is the mixed multitude that the scripture speaks of here? If, if you remember back in Exodus when they left, they weren't the only slaves in Egypt. Are y'all hearing this? Okay. The, the Israelites were not the only slaves in Egypt. And so when the Israelites were released, listen to me, all the slaves were released and sent out of Egypt. So the mixed multitude were the people who were not Jewish that were sent out with the Jewish people and they're still amongst them. Amen? Amen. So this is the mixed <laughs> multitude. And so they begin to lust. Now usually when we think of lust, we think of sexual perversion, we think of all things. That ain't what they were lusting for. See, lust covers a lot more than just sex. It's more than adultery and fornication, homosexuality, and all that. It's way, way, way more than that. How many of you have ever been really, really hungry and you could envision what you wanted to eat in your mind? If, am I the one that does that? I'm worse than old Wimpy when it comes to envisioning a hamburger because I love a good one. And when I get really, really hungry, I start seeing pictures of food in my brain. Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> you know what that is? Lust. It's lust. It can be something that simple that we lust for. Now, how many of you like to eat the same food every day? Now, let, let's get it. We're in church here. So let's don't say, boy, if I'd been back there and seen all this stuff, I wouldn't have been lusting like they are. But here's the thing about it is, it don't matter what we would have done or what we do now, it's the way God sees what we do. And the way God sees it, it is the only one that matters. Because when we stand in judgment, the way he saw us is the way we're going to be judged by him. Amen. We're not going to have no excuses. He's going to say, okay, I had, my, I had to lay out in my word 
You had it on your coffee table, by your chair, under the bed in the bookshelf. You had 10 Bibles in your house. I gave you my son. He died for you. He poured out the, his spirit on you. All you had to do was say, I want some of that. You would have got it. Repentance. He made it so all you had to do when you failed after that was confess and he would forgive you and cover up your, your sin with his blood. And you did none of that. Boy, we're going to have a day of reckoning, y'all. There ain't a lot of people that's living this life as a sport brat instead of a Christian saved by Jesus Christ under the blood and they're going to have a rude awakening when they stand before him. That's why I preach the way I do. This stuff ain't playtime. This stuff ain't funny. This stuff ain't easy. This is serious stuff. Amen. And when we stand before him, you're going to realize just how serious everything was while you were here. Whew. So this mixed multitude, they went to lusting. And when they went to lusting, this is how this stuff works. And they went to lusting and probably murmuring and complaining also. The children of Israel chimed in with them. They agreed with them. You see that? Verse 4. And the children of Israel also wept again. And what do they want? Meat. <laughs> meat. They want some meat. Yep. <laughs> and why did they want what what was the lust? What I told y'all a while ago what I see when I get hungry. Hamburgers, pinto beans, cornbread, mashed taters, gravy. Are y'all getting hungry while I'm talking? <laughs> well when they went to lusting because they wanted meat and they were they were looking down their nose at this manna. They were sick of eating this manna. And look at what they see in their brain. We remember the fish. You see that? We remember. That means it's up here. We remember the fish. We, we did eat in Egypt freely. All oh, those cucumbers. Heartburn. And the mountains. Oh my goodness. Cantaloupe, watermelon. Ooh, every once in a while I see a watermelon in my brain too. And the leeks is a form of an onion, and the onions and the garlic, all the seasoning. You see what they're thinking, what they're remembering? And as they remember how good, you know what? What they're remembering is probably way better than it really was while they was eating. Amen? But they're lusting now. Their desire is for these things that they don't have anymore. Discontentment, if you will. They have become discontent with a beautiful, supernatural wafer given to them every day by a loving Father to sustain them. They weren't content with that anymore because they're lusting after these pictures in their minds. <laughs> Amen. And look at what they said. Now they get downright insolent to God. Look at verse 6. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Like they're saying to God, you can't do anything better than this. That's exactly the way, the attitude they have toward God. They become insolent. That's what their preacher said today. You can ask these questions, but remember who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Do it respectfully. Yeah, they weren't doing it respectfully. And so the Bible goes in after, he's, after they say this, Moses writes what manna was, what it looked like, what it tasted like. So people would know as they complained what they were complaining about. Amen. Any questions about this? I just wanted to mention we had in our Sunday school a couple weeks ago, I guess. It brought brought this up back then and it said it's okay to question God and ask him about stuff. 
but be very careful about accusing him of something. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Now, <laughs> y'all don't think the man of God gets tired of hearing stuff? <laughs> because he realizes that he can speak to God and he's got great authority with God. <laughs> but he gets tired of hearing it. Somebody read for me verses 10 through 15, please. Moses complains to God. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me, and why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so you should tell me? Carry them at your breast, and as a nanny carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their fathers, where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are weeping to me. Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. <laughs> they are too much for me. If you are going to treat me like this, please kill me right now. <laughs> if I have found favor with you, and don't let me see my misery anymore. Moses is fed up. <laughs> he's he's had it up to here. Moses has already almost gotten killed for, for disobeying, for talking back to God. God seeked to kill him for this very same thing. But I like this where, where he starts. It says in verse 10, the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. So Moses sees this as his opportunity while God's good and mad to just chime in with him. <laughs> He's going to get his point across while God's fouled out at these other people. So I'm just going to give you my two cents worth, Lord, while you're angry at them. What in the world did you give me this bunch of people for? What in the world do you expect me to do and they want meat? I can't give these people meat. They're 600,000 footmen. Look at this. What am I supposed to do? He's tired. He's ready to have a nervous breakdown. <coughs> Amen. Now, I've seen my wife with just three kids. Just three. And every one of them pulling on her. And I've seen her just about have a fit. Has any of you other mamas ever done that with your kid? No one does it all the time with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Moses is looking at all these people and everyone looking to him to take care of business for them. And he says, I don't know what to do for them, Lord. Wow. I don't have place to give them. I am not able to bear all these people alone. It's too much for me. He's frustrated, isn't he? He's angry. What brought all this on? Complaining and lust brought it all to a head. The friend of God the spokesperson of God, the intercessor of God, says, I have had enough. Mm -hmm. He ain't God in the flesh, y'all. He's Moses. <laughs> he ain't Jesus. He's not God in the flesh. And, that's, and that's a big... At this time, God would have no idea how it feels to be hungry. No, he didn't. God, he, God can't know those things. He would later. He will later. When, when, when Jesus is hungry. Yeah, Moses wasn't content at that point. But the thing about it is, here is one point, Moses was eating the same thing they were eating. He knew what it was to eat in Egypt. He had been royalty. And not only did he eat in Egypt, he ate the best Egypt had to offer. But Moses had been called by God. So things were different. And notice here, 
Notice what he didn't bring up. Y'all notice this? You know what else he could have said? Since we're in church. He could have said, I told you at the burning bush that I didn't want to do this job and you sent me anyway. And you sent that worthless brother of mine to help me out. He's made up a golden calf. He's done everything wrong. You had to kill his sons. You had to do all. And I have nobody to help me. But he didn't say that. He was smarter than that, wasn't he? I told God he'd just soon die. I kill him now. Because they had been insolent to God in verse 6. Moses wasn't insolent to God. He was questioning God, and his solution was, Lord, if you can't help me, kill me. Have we heard that in Scripture? That goes on in Scripture a lot, by the way. Elijah done the same thing, remember? Just kill me. Now I'm going to tell you, they probably ain't a preacher in this area that's been preaching very long that ain't thought this same. The Lord just tell me. I think at that point the Lord understood why he was so frustrated, though. The Lord was frustrated, too. Yeah, but at the same time, Moses is about, he's not far from crossing the line. Amen. We better move on because we're running out of time. Now, Look what God tells Moses to do. God, you listen to me. If we'll be calm and ask God and wait on the Lord, He will give you a solution that will help you. We have to, but He ain't gonna do it while you're screaming at Him, accusing Him, fussing at Him, being fouled out by Him, and, and, and telling Him that you don't think He loves you anymore. Amen. You got to be careful how you come to God. He's God. Amen. So let somebody read for me verses 16 through 20. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's leaders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and I will speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them and they will share the burden of the people with you and you will not have to carry it alone. For what? For 20. 20 thank you. Uh, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you will. If only we had meat to eat, we would be better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten or twenty days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and have wailed before him, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Mm -hmm. Now God's had enough, but God still loves these people. He understands Moses' dilemma. He can see Moses is just a man, and God in his foreknowledge knew that when his son came, he was going to be in that body. He knew that. God knew that. He knew Moses was not that Messiah. He knew Moses was a man, and he knew Moses had reached his limit. Amen? Amen? And so the Lord told him, he said, okay, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them to the tabernacle congregation, and that they may stand there with you. And then the Lord says, I'm going to come to you. That's what he says. The Lord's presence, listen to me, can calm anything. When, when, when you feel the presence of God in your life personally, or you feel him in the church, that is, you just, we just don't understand what a blessing that is to feel the Spirit of God. To feel His presence. And He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to talk with you there. And I'm going to listen to this. I will take of the Spirit which is upon you and I'm going to give them some of it. Amen. Amen. What's that a picture of? <laughs> that same spirit that fell on Jesus Christ? 
You remember when he was baptized and the Bible says that the Spirit descended, looked like a dove, lit on him, and from that day forward he walked in the Spirit. The Spirit led him immediately into the wilderness. The Spirit did this. The Spirit. And the very same Spirit that came to Jesus is given to us. And the beautiful part of it is the Lord took some of the Spirit that He had given to Moses and it didn't diminish Moses one bit. Amen? Amen. And He said, I'm going to put, put it up. And you know, I hear people say all the time, don't refer to the Holy Ghost as a it. Well, we're going to have to chew Moses out too. We're going to have to chew God out too. He says, because I'm going to take the Spirit which is upon thee and put it upon them. God knew a long time ago we was going to be really confused about the Spirit. Amen. And so he says, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and thou bear it not thyself alone. That's why in the church today, you have staff, you have deacons, you have other people who are support of the ministry of God because it's always too much for one. Amen? And that's why the people, the men that we pick, because he picked men here, he said, I want you to pick men and I want you to bring them. They've got to be elders. They've got to be officers. That means they've got to know some things. Now, if you remember further back, Jethro had told Moses he needed to do this very thing, remember? And he said, you need to let them be judges. And Moses had listened to the father-in-law and did that. These are the very men that he's bringing back to him to help him. But listen to this. These men have to have something that they don't have right now. What is it? The Spirit. Amen? Anybody that's chosen as a deacon or anything else in the church to support must be filled with the Spirit of God or they have no form of leadership in the church. Do I need to repeat that? There's a reason we do things the way we do in the church. This is the beginning of it. Amen? And they said, say unto the people, sanctify yourselves. That means clean up, get ready against tomorrow because you're going to have more meat. Now God gets angry again. He, boy, he can't, he's still getting angry when he thinks about their insolence. You're going to have so much meat, it's going to run out your nose. Uh-oh. Have you ever ate something and it went down and, it, and you ever ate soup and drank it and it went down wrong and come out your nose? That hurt, didn't it? You want lust? I'm going to give you what you're lusting for. Be careful what you ask. <laughs> Be careful how you ask. <laughs> Be careful how you ask. And so he says all this. Now, we got we got a little bit more time. Let's look. Now Moses ain't got over his issue yet either. Although the Lord's given him this, what he wants him to do, how he wants him to do it, where he wants him to do it, and how he's going to give them the Spirit. Look at what <laughs> Moses does. Somebody read me 21 through 23, please. And Moses said, The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat, that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks of the herds be slaughtered for them, to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish in the sea be gathered together for them, to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Have the Lord's arm between shortened. Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Now Moses ain't through with this issue. Because Moses realizes or thinks that everything that goes from God to these people has got to come through him. Y'all listen, we never need to think that we're the only one that can hear from God. 
We never need to think that we're the only ones that God can use. Now Moses is not, not really trying to get, he's already told him to kill him, if he ain't gonna help him. So he's offered him some help. But Moses is hung up on all this meat that they're going to have for a month. It's going to come out their nostrils. And he wants to know from God just what in this world do you have on your mind? Because we're going to have to kill every bull, every calf, every sheep, every goat, every chicken. Everything we've got to feed this many people and for a month and have it run out their nose. If we could add something, he'd say, Lord, I just ain't up to skinning that many animals. And then what are we going to do? This is where Moses' brain is. Amen? The how. The how is this going to happen? <laughs> oh, and the flocks and the herds be slain for them to surpass them. He didn't stop there. Or shall all the fish in the sea be gathered to feed this many millions for a month? Amen. To suffice them. Now look at what the Lord says to Moses. Because see, the man of God, the instrument of God, the intercessor to God, don't know everything. And God really don't like Moses questioning his authority. It shows a lack of faith in Moses' own heart. That's what, <laughs> that's what arguing and fighting and complaining, that's what lust can do to even the highest in the church. It can have an effect, listen to me, from the pew through the pulpit. Are y'all listening to me? We got to help one another out. Because that's where this goes. It goes from the pew through that pulpit. Or it can go from that pulpit through that pew. It can work both directions. We have to be careful that we don't get this attitude and become complacent fighting, complaining, murmuring, and be lustful and envious of what goes on in other places. Amen? Amen. This is what he's showing us in the scripture tonight. And he said to Moses, if the Lord's hand waxed short. <laughs> In other words, Moses, you think I can't do <laughs> after all you've seen? You think I can't do this? See, because not only did all that stuff affect Moses' psyche and made him angry, but his anger resulted in something else in his own life. His faith began to dwindle in God. Y'all see that? That's why God telling him, Moses, don't lose your faith. Tell him, tell him to step back and watch, watch all that meat gather up. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't see it coming. It's just like when they's backed up against the Red Sea, they could, they couldn't phantom a way out. God, a way out that, that God could do. They, they, they're, they're back to a sea. They got an army bearing down on them. It's, it's no, no idea. It's the same way. That's what Moses. He said, "I don't, I don't know how God's gonna pull this off." Yeah, and, and look what he says after that. He says, "Is the Lord's hand waxed short?" Now look at this. Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass or not. Whew. Just hide and watch. He didn't give him a confirmation. He said, you watch and see. 
And the next conversation we're going to have, you're going to know what I can do. God help us. We're going to stop right there. I know we should have got through, but we didn't. We're going to stop right there. And uh, next week, October the 27th, we'll resume in chapter in verse 24 of this same chapter. And we're going to see what God does. Not only with the food, but with the elders and how that transpires. And then... <coughs> It don't stop with him giving them what they want. It don't end well. So be in study, be in prayer about these very things right here. Pray for each other and pray for yourselves. Lord, help me be content. Think back. Think back to where he has brought us from. Think about it. To where we are right now. And we can just use your hindsight. I know the Lord said, No man taking hold of the plow looking back, fit for the kingdom of God. He ain't talking about remembrance. He's not talking about looking back and remembering how God has held you. Sometimes we don't even realize God's holding us that we look back and we can see where He had us in His arms, where He had us in His, He was carrying us. He was protecting us. He was making things happen. We didn't see it at the time till we look back. <clears throat> That's why he tells us to stir ourselves up that way by remembering. Amen? When he says when you take hold of the plow and look back, he means don't want to go back into the world where you came from. That's what he's talking about. So don't confuse that. We need to sometimes look back. We need to see our deliverance out of Egypt. We need to see how he fed us when we didn't think we did it. How we paid the bills when we didn't know where the money was going to come from. How he opened doors that he let us walk through that benefited us greatly because he loved us so much. How he gave us a job that we were praying for. And he opened the door and all of a sudden we've been in this job 10 years and we hate every day. And it's one God gave to us. How, how sometimes when we come into a church and, and we just feel the Spirit of God and we thank God for bringing us to the church and we're going to jump in there and be a part of it. And we've been there 10 years and we look back and we just mumble and grumble about everything. Look back and see how you felt when you got here and wonder where did that go? Amen. We need to do that. We need to just sit down tonight. Y'all do me a favor when you lay down tonight. Just start thinking back. And let the Lord come into your mind and heart and show you what He's done for you in the last few years. That's like that song, I only see one set of footprints in the sand. That's right. He's carrying me. That's right. We need to look back and see and remember the great thing our God has done. I think God said you you forgot your first true love. We have forgotten our first true love. And we focused on something besides Him. And we never need to lose that focus. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm your pastor. I fight this war all the time. Are you listening to me? I fight this war, and I know you do too. And y'all, we've got people that we need to really be in prayer for that come here a long time and they're just not coming anymore. We need to pray for them because they're losing that war. And we need to really start reaching out to these people, calling them, sending them cards, just up to go swing by and visit, whatever, and let them know they're missed. Do we have numbers for some of those? I mean, we've seen them two or three times and never seen them again. I know. I know. I just, I don't get it. I know all of them that's been here that's uh, filled out their cards. Uh, Vicky's got, uh, did have some uh, numbers posted out there for, for people to contact. But y'all, that's the responsibility of everybody here. Mm -hmm. That's our work. 
and listen to me, and I know we got to quit. I know I got to be quiet. I can't help myself. Because I want to encourage you to do those very things. And quit focusing on the things you don't like, and let's make this place better. Let's make it a better place. Let's make it where when people walk through those doors, they say, whoo, I feel that. I still hear that, by the way. But if we're not careful, that'll stop. All we got to do is get complacent, start complaining and murmuring, and listen for what we don't have. And the Lord will be angry with us. Now, so far here, he hadn't withdrawn his spirit from this camp. The men, you, all of us in this room that know the word of the Lord knows that they don't quit acting that way even through the centuries. And before it's all over with, he completely annihilates this nation. He destroys their cities. He destroys the temples. Men didn't do that. God did it. He destroys this people. He kills them. Men, women, and children piled up around the altars, dead. And puts them in nations all around the world. That happens here. It's in here. What ain't in here is how he's brought them back now. Why? <laughs> I know why. Because of the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not only is his arm not slack when it comes to providing, the Bible says that he's not slack when it comes to his promises or his prophecies. Amen? And Jesus said this in himself, everything in this book will come to pass. Not one bit of it will be left undone before this world is gone. We better get in this book and believe that and start working every day. Not to murmur, complain, and argue over what's here, but to add to what's here by seeing lost people come to know him disgruntled people getting a big smile on their face backslidden coming back to the Lord people who have been hurt in other churches gathering up here and saying let's, let's do it here let's hang on that's our work that's our God and I promise you if we could get that mindset and start looking to him for this and asking him to help us do this, to do his kingdom work, he will. You believe that? I do. I do. So let's do that. Any comment? I'm kind of glad I'm on this side of Jesus. I'd probably be one burnt up little person if I was on the other side. You probably got me that first whack. <laughs> Amen. 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 Would you stand, please? Thank y'all so much for being here tonight, taking your time to be here. Yeah, listen to me. You have to make time for Jesus. We're all busy, aren't we? And some some of us have been running. Some of you have worked today. Some of us ain't had to work, but we run all day long, and we're here. You have to make time. Take time for Jesus. And I promise you, He'll bless you if you do that. Amen? When you turn down that overtime so you can be in church, He'll find a way to get it back to you. You believe that? You ain't going to miss a payment because you, you obey God. If you do it for that reason, He'll bless you. I believe that, don't you? Amen. Amen. Brother Troy, would you dismiss us, Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for, for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can 
just walk in freely and study it, Lord, that you've given us everything we need. Thank you for the time Brother Gary puts into this, that we all get a little better understanding. Lord, please be with us as we go out through the rest of the week, and let's take this on our, on our hearts and our minds and, and learn from it, Lord, and bring it back. Lord, we, we, we ask you to forgive us for it. We fail you, Lord. And I know we do it every day. We, it's not our intentions, Lord. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Ladies, don't forget the ladies' brunch this Saturday at 10 o'clock. Gotta forget the meeting, too. <laughs>